At some point or another, we all wonder what life is about. Why are we here? Will our short existence be lost in the vastness of time? Or is there more to all of this? I've always wanted my story to matter. To know that the experiences that make up my life are part of something greater. Growing up, all I ever wanted to do was be outside. Whether I'm riding my bike through the trails or climbing up another peak, this is where I look to find my life's meaning. Hoping each time I will find what I'm looking for. With every step of a new summit, I feel closer to discovering why I'm here. As if it's just waiting to be found at the top of the next mountain. constantly push myself for the next experience. This drive for significance consumes me. I'm chasing a feeling I can't put into words. The faster I ride, the higher I climb, the stronger that feeling becomes. The rush of life's moments is where I feel alive. I feel connected to the world out here. I seek that feeling, the satisfaction of reaching another peak, of conquering my fears. Everything has been leading to this moment. I have to reach the top. And when I do, there's that feeling I can barely describe. For a brief moment, I feel like I've discovered it, that I found what my life's purpose is. If only I could stay in that moment forever. And then it's gone. Just as quickly as it came, that feeling fades, and I'm left in the valley again. Wondering why am I here on this earth? There has to be a reason. How do I find it? What am I missing? There has to be something more. Good morning, Gateway. Can we pray real quick? Father, thank you for this morning. God, there are so many times where we, we show up on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or maybe even to a small group and we're just looking for something. And God, my prayer this morning is that just one person finds that. God, through something that you have revealed to them in a way that they, maybe they've never experienced before, and God, I pray 
that my words are not mine, but that that they are yours alone. And God, thank you for being good, even when it doesn't feel like you are. In your name I pray, amen. Don't we all wish that we had like the perfect Bible verse or the, maybe the perfect sentence or the perfect book to like give somebody when they're struggling? You with me on that? Maybe whenever somebody has passed away and, and, and you just wanna give them some kind of comfort and you're looking for it, like you're trying to find the Bible verse that just says, everything's good, here you go, and then they're automatically better. Maybe your, your, your child has just had maybe surgery or they skimmed their knee or something and you want to make it all go away to where they're not feeling pain anymore. And yet continuously we come up empty. Just this past week, uh, past couple weeks, I, I was, I was a, a part of a funeral and I, I wanted to just give them the perfect thing to say, everything's okay. And yet there are so many times in our lives where there just aren't answers to our questions. No matter how much we try. Well, today we're starting a new series entitled, obviously, The Thinking Series, where our goal is that you are able to think deeper about some really difficult topics. And there's a lot of them. We're gonna be asking questions like, does God exist and how can we know? We're gonna be asking questions uh, like, do all religions point to God? We're gonna be talking about things like, why is there evil? Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? If God is so good, why do they exist? Is there life after death? And there are so many answers out there, am I right? You could Google just about anything, but we're gonna get to that in a second. But today's question is, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? And I know all the elementary kids are like, oh, I got it. And they're like ready to answer for it. Well, guess what? I'm in student ministry and I make them answer outside of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, make them think deeper. It's the only time you're gonna hear in church, don't answer the Holy Spirit. Uh, That's a good one, Joel. But when we're talking about this thinking series, I'm going to challenge you to challenge your brain. One of the biggest misconceptions in my mind is that we have been taught, and maybe no one specifically said it, but they've told you to not question God. You shouldn't question God because that means that you're having a lack of faith. That questioning God shows that you don't believe him enough. And I'm here to tell you, that's nowhere in scripture. Nowhere does it say, don't question God. He does encourage you to have more faith, but that's across the board for everybody. God wants you to ask questions because then he will reveal himself in ways that you didn't know he could. When you look back at the life of Job, Job got in trouble because he let his questions start leading him away from what God wanted for his life. And God never gave him an answer. Instead, Job came to the realization, you're God, I'm not. And Job never got a response to his questions. And yet God blessed him because he pushed through. When you look at John, whenever he's in prison in the New Testament, John simply is sitting in prison, he's having a horrible time, and he sends back to word to Jesus, he says, are you him or are you not? And Jesus says, look at what I've done and you tell me. Questions are not wrong. It's when you let the questions fester and stay in your mind to where they lead you away from Jesus. So I'm going to encourage you, just let yourself have an open mind to this and understand there are not any singular answers that's going to be great for everybody. When we get to the problem of pain and suffering, that's a really hard one. And some answers will be good for you, some answers won't. But all I ask is that you take yourself out of the equation. 
don't let your feelings be the marker that decides truth for you. Because if we let our quote unquote truth be the ultimate guide, do you really trust yourself with that kind of information? When you let scripture be the truth, at that point, you're going to find answers that will suffice even when you don't understand them. Feelings will lie. Don't let feelings be the guess of your life. So we have just wrapped up, or we're wrapping up 2022, and our theme for the whole year was pray for one. And I think it's been a very successful one. Our hope was that you didn't just simply do it for the year, but that you make it something continuous for the rest of your life, that you're always praying for one person. You've always have the person in your life that you're wanting to see come to Christ. But now we're pushing forward to 2023. And our theme for the year is going to be one called Foundations. Everly right now, it's, uh, it's like the catch-22. I talked to Karen and Taylor, the worship leaders, about it. My daughter's three years old. And I've told you that she's a mix between Godzilla and Scrappy-Doo. And there's something about a three-year-old that they think they're right all the time with everything. So one of her favorite songs is House of the Lord, the one we sang today. And the phrase is, there's joy in the house of the Lord. But to a three-year-old, consonants and vowels can sometimes run together. And I started listening to what my daughter was saying, and she is now saying, and I have video proof, destroy the house of the Lord. You can see my confliction here. So she's sitting in the back of the car singing, destroy the house of the Lord. I'm like, maybe that's not how the song goes. And then when she starts arguing, she goes, daddy, it's saying it. I'm like, if you could read, I would show you. And sometimes like we have this idea that kids, let me think how to say this properly with elementary kids in here. You're not right all the time. So whenever we're talking about foundations, we as parents have a really hard task of trying to lay something for you now to where we tell you what's right and wrong and we teach you right and wrong now, but eventually you're going to get older and you're going to find out for yourself. And you're going to experience things that mommy and daddy can't always protect you from. Our job is that you build a foundation on Scripture through Jesus to where you can protect yourself through the Holy Spirit. Am I right? And so with our foundation series coming up in 2023, we're starting with the smallest kids and we're working our way up. We're on the last Sunday of every month. We as a church will be doing, a, doing an apologetic lesson that is a continuous series all year round where we will discuss topics like we're going to be talking about in the thinking series. Is, uh, why is there pain and suffering? Does God exist? What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? And our hope is that on that Sunday morning, you hear something, and then on Sunday night, we're going to come back together and we're going to talk about it in a little bit more of like a small group, but open setting. And then on Wednesday nights, we're going to be having our small groups based around that. And our, our whole reason for doing this is to build a stronger foundation for every certain person, I mean, for every single person in this room in your kids, in your students, no matter what age, and no matter anything. And if you want to know more about that, we're still piecing it together, but bug Joel, okay? Bug Joel. But let's get back to it. What is the meaning of life? One of my favorite things, and it's funny that Cassie said this and Philbin, this is for you. I, I love Captain America. That's my guy. And he's known for his character, for his integrity, for his truth. And there are so many things that we could say about him, but his whole purpose is that he knows what he's doing. He's a man of convictions. He knows who he is, even when the world says otherwise. 
So at the end of the, or at the, near the end of the last movie, the Endgame, Avengers Endgame, he's standing by himself in front of all the bad guys. He's completely alone, his shield's busted, and he's ready to die for what he thinks is right. And it's that strong moment before everything gets really big and bad, right? And if it's, this is a spoiler to you, it's 2022, you should have watched it by now. But a few years before that, there's a movie called Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And he's having this moment with his, uh, with his previous girlfriend, and she sees that something's wrong, and she's dying. And she says, what's wrong? And he says, my whole life, I've tried to fight for what's right. And I guess I don't know what that is right now. Even a person who stands up for the convictions like they've made Captain America do asks the question, why am I here? What is my purpose? What am I even supposed to do? And I think that if I were polled in here right now, who's asked that question, every single one of us in here have had that exact same thought. Why am I here? If you're a believer in God, it's saying, why did God create us? If we're being honest, do you ever wonder why God created us? Don't you think that like his whole thing would have been a whole lot easier if he didn't have to deal with our screw-ups? My daughter, yesterday, we had like a really bad hour and a half with just a bunch of just random accidents. Don't know what happened. She's fully potty trained. Uh, yesterday, forgot about it, I guess. I don't know. I was an hour and a half of stressed out. And I'm like, if, like, if I can't even handle this for an hour and a half, God, how are you doing this for centuries with us? With a lot more mistakes and a lot more accidents. God didn't need to create us, so why did he? And that's the question that believers are asking. On the flip side, if you're not a believer, maybe you're unsure, it's why do I exist? What's the point of me being here? Why am I as a person in existence? What is the meaning of life? Something that I love to think about is how much we like to be happy. Our generation right now is based around find what's happy and do it. And I think that's the case for every single generation is that we've always been, we always, we've been trained to focus on the be happy in the now. So we try to fill up our happy bucket. Think about it as like the, 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 the dear Liza bucket. We do this, we'll find happiness. If we get a promotion at work, we find happiness. If I get married, I'll have happiness. If I get divorced, I'll be happy. If we have kids, we'll be happy. When we get the kids out of here, we'll be happy. If I eat more food, if I work out more, we do all these things and we think that right when we fill the brim of the bucket, that's where we find our purpose. Social media, when you think about your job, when you think about your school, when you think about your family, everything that we try to do is based around what makes us smile in that moment. But what happens when the happiness does not match up with the meaning. So when I say the Dear Liza bucket, it's like we're filling up this happiness bucket. When we hit it, we reach meaning, but the bucket has a hole in it. Dear Liza. And now we're trying harder to figure it out, and yet it just keeps emptying. And we base so much of our happiness off those tasks. We try our hardest to, to, to do this. And let me, let's do something. If I just get this promotion, we'll be better off. If I get this new job, we won't need to worry about money. If we get married, then we'll be happy. If we have kids, our marriage will work. If I get this account, then our job will have meaning. Let me say it this way. The more we try to fill 
our temporary physical bodies, the less full we actually are. And yet we try every single day to do just that. And understand something. I think we have been trained and wired that way. I think that we've been trained to find the happiness. Like if you think about like our senses, eyes, ears, touch, everything, it's all based around enjoying life. The problem is that we have taken what God has wanted us to enjoy and we've tried to make it to find purpose. And now there's a confliction here because happiness is not synonymous with purpose. Happiness is not synonymous with purpose. One of my favorite books in all of scripture is Ecclesiastes. And Solomon might be the happiest depressed man ever, if there is such a thing. He was given this wisdom that, that God said, I'll give you anything. He says, I want wisdom. He says, because you want wisdom, I'm gonna give you so much more than what you could imagine. But then he sets out on this journey to find happiness through the material. And, he, and don't believe me, let's read right here in Ecclesiastes chapter two, verses nine through 10, where it says this. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. So he's saying, everything that I'm doing from this point on, I wanted to find happiness in. If my eyes wanted it, I've got it. If my money could get it, I got it. And if you read through Ecclesiastes, you see that he actually achieved it. But he says at the end of this verse, and this is my reward. So what's the reward? Let's read in verse 11. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Summarize it. Everything I just did was completely useless. My life is pointless. It doesn't even start there. Let's start at the beginning in chapter one, verse two through three. Vanity of vanities. What does man gain by all toil at which he toils at under the sun? Meaning useless. Everything is useless. I'm doing everything to achieve this. And it's like, I'm chasing the wind. I'm trying to grab the wind and give it a hug. It's pointless. He continues in verse eight. All things are weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things, yet to be among those who come after. Essentially, if you are trying to find joy, meaning, happiness, purpose in what the eyes are telling you is good. It's pointless. Life is meaningless, is what Solomon's saying. Have a happy Sunday. I hope you feel encouraged today. You see, but it has a good ending because what Solomon understands is that there is nothing you are going to do that's going to achieve happiness for the rest of your life you're always gonna have the hole in the bucket. You're always gonna have the hole in the bucket because we have bodies that are meant to die. Our bodies are not permanent. So the older we get, the more tired we feel, the worse that our bodies begin to decay. That's how life is supposed to be. Again, happiest depressing moment of your life right now, right? How, do we have any Shakespeare fans in here? 
literally the second service, no one has said yes. So you guys hate Shakespeare, I'm still gonna quote it. In Macbeth, he says, out, out, brief candle, life but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury. God created you to enjoy senses, but not to find meaning in them. If you want some examples, think about Thanksgiving. We gorge ourselves to a ridiculous amount on Thanksgiving, am I right? If you don't, wake up, have a, have a funner day this year. But no matter how much you eat, the next day you're always going to want something else. What about uh, my sightseers? If you like going out and you like hiking and doing all these things, you may find one site, but you're always gonna wanna find the other one. What about with touch? Maybe there are certain things that you can feel for, for my, my, my worker bees in here. You guys like being able to work with your hands because you feel like it gives you a sense of completion. Then why is it that whenever you finish the biggest project of your life, you're ready to move on to the next one? If our life was meant to be lived through our senses, somebody would have achieved it by now. But purpose can't be found in what God has given because you were made in the image of God. And the longer that we try to achieve happiness to find purpose, the less full we are actually going to be. C.S. Lewis once, and I'm going to try to PG this one for the elementary kids. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. People feel S-E-X-U-A-L desire. Well, there is such a thing as S-E-X. No, thank you. If I find myself a desire which no experience in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another we were made for something bigger than ourselves. So if we can all agree that meaning exists, meaning we all long to have a purpose, we all have to have a meaning in this life, well, then something has to exist with that, which is a pretty simple to state. So there's two things. Number one, meaning actually exists. Meaning actually exists. If you are wondering why there is something inside of you that exists like that, well, that's because you were made for something more than yourself. Number two, Life's meaning has to be found outside of yourselves. If you could give yourself meaning, you would have, had, you would have done it by now. I just finished up my master's uh, a couple weeks ago. And I'm telling you, couldn't be happier. Thank you, please, thank you. I'm still tired. I hated middle school. I hated high school. Hated my undergrad. And when I say hate, understand, I was cool with the information. I hated the responsibility. Anybody with me, give me a woo-woo. You know what I'm saying? So whenever I, you get to that point, there are people who want to go even further in their education. God bless you. Go nuts. I'll give you a high five at the end of the tunnel. I will not meet you there. But if we could find happiness and existence in that, then we would have achieved it in some manner. You would have got that, gotten that promotion. You would have found a meaning. You would have had the kids and you would have been like, yeah, now we've reached it instead of you just being tired and that's the indicator that you've reached it. Meaning actually exists. And if meaning exists and we can't achieve it, well, then somebody else had to have created it, which is where we find it. You following me? 
Well, in Mark chapter 12, we hear this really, really neat story about Jesus who is having a throwdown, a, a, a theological throwdown with some Pharisees and Sadducees who were Jewish group leaders. And these guys were wanting to trap Jesus because they were threatening their way of life. So whenever they were out and about and they heard Jesus was teaching, they would show up and they would just try to plant little seeds to get Jesus in trouble. But here in Mark chapter 12, we have um, the story. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anybody's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. So is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Or should, or should we pay theirs? Uh, but knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one and he said to them, whose likeness and in inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. We could go down a lot of rabbit trails on this one. But I just want to plant our seed and understand. What the Pharisees were doing where they were trying to get Jesus to make a, make a bold claim one way or the other. You see, because if Jesus said it wasn't okay to pay the tax to Caesar, they could have gotten him in a lot of trouble and put him in jail right then and there because he was going against the king. On the flip side, if he says, no, 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 Caesar is the biggest and highest authority. Well, now all the followers of Jesus are in a confliction of, well, who's the biggest in charge? This God that you're talking about or Caesar? So what does Jesus do? He says, well, you tell me whose inscription is on it. And they say, Caesar's. And at that point, Jesus says, Caesar has some claim. He has the money. Caesar has the, the rights to this money and you should take care of that and you should do it. But whose image is God, it's yours. It's not the money. It's never been about the money. He said, give to Caesar what he has. Don't get me wrong. But understand that what you have inside of you is greater than any dollar amount here. It's God's. And all he did was simply plant that seed and say, you try to trick me this way and I'm gonna show you something bigger than what you can imagine. You're made in the image of God, like uh, Cassie read here in Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. In the image of God, he created them. Understand that when we try to find purpose in anything outside of that, you will always come up empty because you do not bear the image of your job. You do not bear the image of money. You do not bear the image of any earthly and created thing. Every single one of us have the image of God inside of us. And that is the purpose. Now there's so much more to be said, but there are two necessary and vital things here for your life to have meaning. So the question is, what's, ne what's needed to have meaning? Number one, the existence of a creator. The existence of a creator. Now, we're gonna be tackling this, this topic about how we know there's a God next week. But understand that in, in apologetics, the thing that you need to try to find when you're talking to somebody who doesn't agree with you is to find common ground. 
meaning that you find something that you can both agree on. And I think that one thing that everybody in here wants, believer or unbeliever, is that we want our life to have a purpose. We want our life to have meaning. We want our life to be left with something that, that, that has a purpose, and we want to feel com- confident in that. And that's the common ground, and I think you can see that. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Uh, one of my professors during school wrote this, Copernicus, Kepler, Galileo, Newton, and Boyle, who were all very early scientists and uh, astronomers, were key players in the scientific revolution. And all five of them saw the attributes of the cosmos as indicators of a wise creator in whose image we are made. They saw it as their duty to not disprove God like some people will try to make science to do. Instead, they let science be the indicator to say, here's how we know God exists because there's no other way this could happen. They didn't try to, 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 to hypothesize it out of the way. They said, no, this makes sense that somebody created it. And that person who created the world created you with a purpose for a purpose. Now, this sermon isn't about finding the purpose of your life. I can't do that. I don't have that right. I'm not that smart. So when I say that you need to do this and you'll find purpose, whenever anybody says, if you do just this one thing, you will have purpose. Nobody has that right except for God. So that means that, 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 you, could fi- that you can be gifted in sports, you can be gifted in jobs, you can be gifted in medicine or even in serving. serving. But this sermon is about discovering why and how. And the why is simple. You were created for a relationship with Jesus. And through that relationship, you find purpose. Because everything else funnels from that. Because you understand that even when you mess up, even when you take the wrong path, as long as you see God, you can't fail, even when you do. In Acts chapter 13, it says, David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. When it says he served his purpose, his purpose was to be king and help lead the Israelites. And then through the line of David, Jesus came. That was his purpose. You and I will not be kings and queens of a nation. And if you do, I'll, again, give you a high five when I see you. Uh, you won't remember me. Uh, but our purpose is different. And how you live out that purpose will always be different for other people. So number one, the existence of a creator. Number two, eternal life. Eternal life. In Colossians, it sees that we need to set our minds on the things above and not on the earth. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says that we need to be reasons to give hope, for, uh, give reasons for the hope that we have as believers. Our life is not meant to live right now for this moment. The whole YOLO uh, generation of, hey, live for now because that's what makes you happy. If Christians live that way, we'd be missing the point. We don't live our lives based off feelings. We shouldn't live our lives based off emotions because those things lie. We live our lives because God has given us an eternal life with Jesus that can't be replicated. And sometimes that's really hard because everything in your world will tell you to do the opposite. Everything. And if you don't believe me, look at social media. So when we talk about eternal life, there is something about understanding the, 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 the shortness of our lives that brings that into focus. I'm gonna tell you a quick story. 
Um, and if you are a, an avid reader, a great book, it's called The Case for Heaven by uh, Lee Strobel. It's about the afterlife, heaven and hell, does it exist? What happens to us? Um, but there's a story in there that I think really hits this together about the eternal life. There was a guy who was a professor of arts at Northern Kentucky University. His name was Storm Howard. And he was like, if you had to like give like the idea of what an atheist was, somebody who didn't believe in God and was completely hostile, this was the guy. He was the chairman of everything. He was like, I'm done. But then he got into a medical emergency where he had a perforated ulcer, stomach ulcer, that should have and killed him for a minute. But in that time, he had this dream, and I'm gonna say this near-death experience, and I believe that God can use near-death experiences to point, him, to point himself back to you and to show you like, hey, I'm real. There's a lot of really odd documented cases, and I was a skeptic, I'm just gonna be honest. I was a heavy skeptic on this. But there are certain things that I think God uses, and this is one of them. But he has this dream or this vision where he wakes up, he gets out of the bed, and he's looking at himself lying on the bed, and he's dead. And in that time frame, he starts seeing people walking around the room with him. And he starts following these people, and he says that they seem kind, they seem good, they're, 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 there's like a, a happiness with them. And he starts following them down this tunnel. But the farther down the tunnel they go, the darker the tunnel gets, and the darker the move gets. Now these happy people are, are becoming angry. They're becoming hostile. They're, they're starting to mock them, and they're starting to yell at them. And then all of a sudden, they start beating him up, beating him up to kill him. And then he says this about that. There has never been a horror movie or a book that can begin to describe their cruelty. Eventually, I was eviscerated. I definitely lost one of my eyes and my ears were gone and I'm lying on the floor of that place. So now I have eternity, time without measure, to think about my situation because I had lived a garbage life. I had gone down the toilet and I realized, this is the horrible part, that the people who had met me were my kindred spirits. They denied God, they lived for themselves and their lives were about mutilation and control of other people. My life was devoted to building a monument to my ego my family, my scriptures, my sculptures, my paintings, and all those were gone now. And what did they matter? I wasn't far from becoming like one of those tormentors for all of eternity. So then he recalls this moment where he's looking at himself and he sees himself just completely destroyed from these people. And he said, I've mustered for the first time and with complete genuineness, Jesus saved me. And he says, I have never, meant, more any, I have never meant, meant anything more strongly in my life. He says in that moment, he saw a light coming down that same dark tunnel. And it just, it, and as he was getting the, the, the light illuminated the, the room and he saw himself without his eyes, without his ears. And he said, and all of a sudden that, that hand reached out and it touched me. And then everything that I had just seen that was on me was coming back. The goriness was becoming gone. It was like he was just being made whole again. And he said that if I had to take all of these moments of love in my life, where I've experienced love in some way, they wouldn't even come close to the love that I felt in that moment. And he says, and that love is the foundation of my life from that moment on. So when he pulled through and he actually uh, became healthy, he quit his job as a professor. He stepped down from all the chairs of the uh, the, the liberal arts stuff that he was in charge of, and he became the pastor of a really small church where he's there to this day. There is something about how short our lives are that will eventually bring us into focus 
of what matters most. And it's nothing that we can achieve without Christ. And the longer that we try, we're just trying to fill up a bucket that has a hole in it that's never going to be achieved. And I'm here to tell you, you will find yourselves doing that moment after moment. When you do it, you're not a bad person. It just means that we've taken our priorities and we've flipped them. And it's okay. Why? Because the image of God doesn't leave you. And you stay in it as long as you want to. And that's the beauty of Jesus. Am I right? That the more that we talk about this, you've got to understand what the love of Christ really shows. And it's that you're not good and he is. And because of that love, you are made whole. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. God, once again, I find myself wishing there was a sentence that I could have said and that we could have just walked out, but God, my words aren't mine. And God, and we fail. We miss conversations. We miss phrases, God. We, we make the mistakes. But what makes you good is that you chose us regardless. Is that even when we do make the mistakes, you're there to say it's okay. And God, there may be seasons where we feel like the, the, the lost and wandering sheep where the shepherd will leave the 99 to go and find the one. God, there are also times where you're the father in the prodigal story that lets the son walk away so that he can experience what life is without you. And yet you're never gone. You give us the free will to make decisions. And God, my hope is that whenever we're navigating these difficult topics, these difficult lessons, these, these hard subjects, God, that we take what feels good and what feels right and we push those aside if they don't line up with your word. Because you are good, we're not. What makes us good is the blood of Christ. And for that, I'm thankful. Because I don't trust myself that time. So Father, there's somebody in here who is struggling or who is needing an answer from you. God, I pray that you reveal yourself in a way that they've never experienced. And in whatever way, God, you choose. God, thank you for this church.